1: Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. We've been thinking here at Bike Radar about what might be some of the most influential bikes from the past 40 years, from the 70s, 80s, 90s and noughties. And so, in this short series, a four part series, we're going to be talking to our resident bicycle, road bike, and all round cycling nerd, Warren Roster, um, who has been involved in the cycling scene for a very long time. Um, And he has put together his list of four bikes that really almost defined each of those different decades. So, in this episode one, we're going to talk about the Rally Competition Mark II from 1976. But keep an ear out for the next uh, following episodes uh, from the eighties. We're going to look at the rally burner from the nineties. It's the giant TCR, and from the noughties, it's Cannondale's Super Six. But let's start in the nineteen seventies, Warren. Um, I'm not going to ask what you were doing in the seventies because <laughs> that might be a little bit rude. Um, but the the rally competition Mark II. Um, why do you think this bike almost defined? 90s, 70s uh cycling or road cycling?
0: I think you know, um road cycling in the 70s was obviously an era totally and utterly dominated just by steel. Um and the players in steel, Reynolds, Columbus was pretty much it. And pretty much everybody, if you're a UK cyclist, and you know, I was a very, very small child. I'm a 70s child, mm-hmm. a very, very small child in the 70s. My uncle, who you know was in his sort of mid to late teens, then was a road cyclist. He, like every other road cyclist there, because you know I talked about I've talked about it to him over the years. Everybody aspired either to getting a beautiful British handmade custom made of Reynolds steel from a myriad of builders out mm-hmm. there, and this that was a very local thing. That was like you know if you were sort of, you know, from like Leicester and East Midlands where I was, there were, there were local builders that, mm. that's what you wanted. Or, or God forbid you could go to Coventry and get something really oh, nice. Oh, dirty. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, um, and if, it, it, and aside from that, then you either aspired to get something fancy from, from Italy, you know, sure. something glamorous, you know, a, a Colnago, a, De Rosa, a yeah, you know, he was just like, you know, wow, the most amazing things. But... The, the attainable one, the one that everybody really wanted was the beautiful burnt orange Rally Professional. Okay. The 531 competition, beautiful Campagnolo parts, mm-hmm. quite an expensive bike. Right. But Rally being Rally at this time, still the biggest bike brand in the world. They offered the competition Mark II, which was still Reynolds. It was 531. It wasn't the lightened competition version. But 531 comes in a myriad of different mm. thicknesses, but in shapes, whatever. You know, in the you know the the dawning age of mountain bikes. They did an AT five three one, so they did an all terrain version of that mm. tube. They've they've shaped and moved it into so many different things. There's a track specific one. There's you know there's, there's a five three one for pretty much everything. Sure. And the rally competition had enough of what made the professional so nice. You know, beautiful lugs, lovely welds, great finish, um even little things like chrome details on the forks and rather than having a straight kind of boxy crown on the fork it had this beautiful kind of slope in mm-hmm. you know you kind of looked at it and went well that looks fast i'm not gonna make any aspirations it was aero <laughs> it just looked yeah, yeah, yeah. the business um it didn't come with gears; it came with hurrit. um right and but it was just that bike that brought so many junior riders along mm-hmm. and into it and aspire to it you know it's just a a glorious um, celebration of what made rally great. Yeah. They, they were making bikes that were winning tours yeah. and the Olympics and, and and things like that. But then they were making everything from your very first bike to your very first serious bike to mm-hmm. your sporty bike. Um, and but just think about like my family, you know, my mum had a rally, my dad had a rally, my brother had a rally, I had a rally, mm-hmm. my uncle had a rally. You know, it may be a Midlands thing because you know Rally was only in Nottingham or whatever, but there were there were literally the bikes for generations. You know,
1: yeah. You know, well, let's let, let's give a bit of context um to start. So the, the competition is the everyman's version of the Rally Professional. So yeah. can we very quickly talk about the professional? And I, I guess actually as well, before we started this podcast, we were discussing about how we were going to introduce them. Um th- This isn't like a a scientific like analysis of how bikes are developed over the years. These are Kind of your picks.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's
1: what I you know, it's the things
0: that probably had like a direct influence on on the way I thought about bikes. Yeah. You know. It was that sort of it's the things you just kind of left that lasting impression, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of like now if I was, you know, walking past a um a car boot sale or, you know, you see a bunch of second-hand bikes stacked up against the wall. There was a rally competition too there. Mm. I'd be really tempted to buy it, right? You know, um, I mean, I've got in. You know, we we've, we've talked before about how how I have too many bikes. Um, w- w- you know, one of my bikes is a is an old Falcon with five three one competition tubing, which is mm. basically Falcon's version of the rally professional. Mm. I'd still love to have a rally professional in there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the whole kind of rally. Uh, british bike industry thing all those big major brands all literally became absorbed into the into the kind of whole rally family eventually anyway yeah so things like the you know things like the you know the professional and the competition and a lot of those higher-end rally bikes were actually built in like the factory in Carlton and you mm-hmm. know which you know it, the history is so sort of mired and, and mixed and everything that could be considered as like the Carlton bikes or right. or whatever so you know they're they're I think it's it's hard you know It's hard now looking in the 2020s at just who rally were and what rally were in the 60s and the 70s and even going into the 80s you know they were almost ubiquitous right you know was, i mean i i you know i had um relatives and um like relatives of my um you know my wife like um that talked about bicycles, they called them rallies. It was almost like, you know, that a, 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 a vacuum cleaner is a hoover. Yeah. You know, at this point in, in Britain, if you said rally, it meant bicycle. Right. And and it literally was, you know, you know, I you know I can when I was, you know, round round at my, my uncle's house watching him clean his his rally competition, I would think I was on, you know, I'd ridden around there on a rally commando. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is like a little stemmy Archer three-speed sure. sort of proto BMX, you know, it was only like, you know, I think, you know, when did you have that? I mean, I would have been like seven. Yeah. You know, and it was like my second bike. It was my first proper bike, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, my brother, who was, you know, a, a, you know just over a year older than me, I had a commando, he had a grifter and, mm-hmm. you know, and then we moved on from that, you know, in the in eighties, the there was the burner and then later than that, then you had like a, the bomber, mm-hmm. you know, which was like a, you know, uh, rally's take on the kind of big cruiser, you know, sort of proto mountain bike, basically. Sure. Um. So, I, I think it, you know the the reason that I've looked at the competition too, and I'm not saying it was the best bike of its no. of its time, or it, it was even the best bike in that price category, because I'm pretty sure if you went to one of the, you know, the great British frame builders, you could get something of equal money that was probably superior. Mm-hmm. But it's just a name, a brand. A moment in time
1: where they
0: defined cycling in Britain. Yeah. You know, and
1: Well let's talk about the professionals stuff to start with so that that was like the, the pro version of of, of Raleigh's road bike. Yeah. You know, you said it's still, it's it's got, you know, the fanciest of tubing and it's winning races.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you had guys like, you know, Zotermelk and, you know, I mean Raleigh's Raleigh's team then and you know, the Rally Rally T A team, stuff a legend, you know, they mm. were you know they were a big, big concern, mm-hmm. you know, and rally globally was a massively respected brand, mm-hmm. you, know? Um, you know. You know, my um, my wife's family are, are half Italian. If I, you know, talk to, and a lot of them are, are steeped in cycling, you know, and I've talked to them, and they still talk about some of those classic rallies. Right. With the same sort of reverence that, us as British cyclists might talk about a classic Bianchi, or, yeah. a, you know, or a classic um, Conago or something like that. They talk about some of those, like, those old rally, the competitions or, or, you know, the old rally TA kind of outfit, you know, the special project bikes. Mm-hmm. you know, they talk about them with like this, this reverence that I think as UK cyclists, because, you know, rally, it's not getting around it. Rally has just seen a massive decline. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not the force it once was. It's mm-hmm. a completely different entity now. Um So we don't see it mm-hmm. in this, you know, we don't hold it in the, it's the same regard. It, we, I don't think we hold rally in the regard it should be held in. You know, okay. I find it criminal that, that you know rally is high height in it in its Nottingham, you know, they they were the major employer of the city. You know, most of the the, the adult workforce worked for Rally or Rally associated sure. companies. It, it were ginormous, you know. And Rally did everything. Yeah. You know? you know, they made their own cables, they made their own tires, they made their own saddles. Hmm. You know, every single part of certain rallies apart from a few like drivetrain bits, they're made in-house. Right. It's insane, you know, the the level of industry that there was there. Which is also quite sad, at the you know uh, uh, the, what seemingly is quite a rapid decline, uh, and I find it criminal now that there isn't a major rally museum in Nyon, mm. you know that we should celebrate this you know this world-beating giant yeah. of the industry, truly innovative as well, you know massively innovative brand, you know I've you know I've I've been looking up enough to go and visit Rally over the years and, and see some more stuff that they you know that's created up round the back and things like that, and I mean they showed me a. Uh, a uh, a lugged bike with carbon tubes, mm-hmm. which was from the early seventies. Really, and they actually sort of you know. You know, some you know some of the guys they were sort of saying, well, they, they did race one. They did paint one in the TA colours, and uh-huh. and it actually raced. And it said and it was pretty good. And it's kind of like, oh, why well, is this know, not being talked yeah, about? Why is nobody talking about this? You know, and it's like the tubing. The carbon tubing came from, I think, a fishing rod company. Because uh-huh. you know, where else were you going to get it then? Yeah. You know, you know. And so, you know, they were forward thinking. They were doing some really exciting, innovative stuff. Um, But the thing, you know, they, they would be doing is they do, yeah, do everything from you know bikes for, for five-year-olds mm-hmm. to you know bikes that would win major international races. Mm-hmm. There aren't many there's not many modern equivalents to that you know? Yeah. there's obviously you know the, there's the giants specialised the giants specialised the, yeah, the, the tracks but, but aside from that there's not really anybody that's doing doing it so well and so complete and I think you know Raleigh at that time probably set the template that the rest of the world sort of went aspired to try and be mm-hmm. you know and so just making very good products at very good prices um was something that Raleigh was just renowned for yeah
1: you know so it sounds like, I mean, you, when um, your, your cousin had the competition, you were sort of seven or eight. I'm guessing you probably, to some extent, idolised your cousin. You know, like an older well, guy yeah, riding he was. Yeah, bikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I presume he was also maybe idolising those guys racing the professionals. So, yeah. yeah. And this is where sort of, I guess, that appreciation of, of that competition comes from.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, definitely, definitely, and that, and that whole kind of rally as a, a performance brand. Yeah, you because know, you know, when I was sort of you know junior preteen and and. And all that sort of thing. Britain had the milk race, which mm. Um, mm. was like the Tour of Britain but bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and the milk race always used to go through our town, and every school in the town would stop, and you'd go out for the day and watch. And there was nothing more exciting than seeing, you know, the rally team on those orange bikes flying through. or Orange, I mean, at that time they would probably more. They moved to more of a red because i you know, because um, that was a bit later on. But it's you know, rally was still that. Wow, look look at them going through. And there's that association because look at him, he's riding a rally. Mm-hmm. So am I. Yeah. You know, and there was that and that's what I think is the that was the beauty of the competition. And it's something I think that we've sort of we've sort of lost. I mean, you know, going back up to the you know, the nineties, the, the noughties and everything, every brand used to have a pro look bike mm-hmm. at entry level money. You know Trek, you know in their, you know Armstrong era and everything like that. They mm-hmm. had an aluminium bike in U- UPS colours, uh, a thousand, sure. uh, a thousand quid or, or just under a thousand quid, and everybody had that kind of team replica, mm-hmm. but a cheap team replica. It had no relations of what the actual thing was, mm-hmm. but that's what it was all about. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were, you know, with, you know, begging your parents for a bike for Christmas, you wanted the one in the team colours. Yeah, you know, you're never going to get a team bike because. You know, that, you know, you'd have to go, well, that costs as much as a car. Mm-hmm. That'd be stupid, you know, but you can have that one. Yeah. And so you'd want it in those, those, those team replica colors. And that's kind of what the competition did. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of that early era because you could see everything that pros had, but it was more attainable. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and I think that's something we've sort of lost now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why things have changed, you know, quite so
1: radically. And Do you think we don't hold the pros in, in such sort of hero status as we once did, maybe? or I'm not really sure.
0: I'm not sure if it's... I mean, I I mean, I, I think probably it's like if, you know, um, I think everything is just so accessible now. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of thing, you know. Um, if you think about it, if you were interested in racing back then, where did you get your fix? Mm-hmm. It was like a weekly paper mm-hmm. and it was the occasional photograph. It wasn't TV. Yeah. It wasn't anywhere. You couldn't look it up online. You couldn't. You know. You couldn't see this stuff. So I think a, a, a lot of that sort of thing. It's, it brings imagination. breeds imagination mm-hmm. because you're looking at a still image. Mm. And so when something, I mean, as I say, like when something like the milk race came through town, the whole town would stop. Yeah. because goes, "Wow, this is a big event. This is happening. This is in front of us." And so you know, um, looking at, he's thinking of things like you know, um, the Tour de France. The Tour de France was on a telly. You could only read about it. You could only imagine how big those mountains were mm. and how hard those rides were. Mm. And unless you were so steeped in the cycling culture and you came from generations of cycling culture, where that be a holiday, you know, I had friends, that, you know, because their their dads were so into cycling and everything, their their you know summer holiday wouldn't be you know, going out to Devon to, you know, visit visit grandparents like I used to. Um, they'd drive to France and stand uh-huh. on the side of a road and watch these guys ride past. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so uh, it was just. You wanted to be part of that, but it was your imagination that was stemming it. Now I think because you can just see it all, all mm-hmm. the time, there's some of the mystique. Yeah, we're completely
1: bombarded by every element of the yeah. race from yeah. prep to to race to finish to interviews after. It's it's a never ending sort of circus of media around around the whole thing. The the competition itself. Did you ever get to ride one? Um, no. No, no. It was
0: one of those kind of you know. I never, I never got to ride a professional either. You know, yeah. but it was one of those things that it was just kind of. It is. I think for a lot of people, and it doesn't matter when you came into cycling or, or when you kind of thought about it. It's kind of like. It's that dream thing. It was like you, you went not think one day. You know, maybe one day. But mm-hmm. of course, you know that one day comes when you. are you know, when i when I was old enough to be making my own bike buying choices, it was hopelessly outdated. of course it was. Yeah, of course, yeah. But it's still, you know. I can remember, you know, it being like um you know, in the early days of, of, of mountain being a mountain biker and there was a store um in Nottingham, you know, on the outskirts of Nottingham, in one of the little towns outside of Nottingham. And whenever we were all bundled into the back of a van ted up to the Peak District from Leicestershire, um we'd always make this really weird diversion that was way out of the way and added miles to the journey when we were going mountain biking to stop at this, this store called Mountain Tamers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because they just had bikes in there that you couldn't see anywhere else. Right. They had Yeti, they had Mountain Goat, they huh. had um, Mountain Cycle. and You literally couldn't see them anywhere else. So yeah. you'd, you'd go just to go and browse in the shop. You know, you, you know, if you'd saved up enough money, you might buy like a, a, a poor components brake hanger Mm-hmm. Because that's the only thing in a shop you could probably afford. <laughs> yeah. um, but you'd literally go to look at these bikes and you'd just be enamored by them. Yeah. You know, you used to do the same thing if we were heading, you know, if you were heading up to the Lake District to ride or whatever on like that. You'd you'd stop at the stiff mm. because they had bikes that you wouldn't see yeah, anywhere else yeah, yeah. in the country. Yeah, and and your only source of seeing any of these things there was no internet. There was no way of it was it was a photo in a magazine. Mm-hmm. So the only way you could physically see them was to literally go and stand in a shop and gulp at them. Yeah, you know, or. When we were finally lucky enough to get some of the big international races over here, go to one of those races and watch it. Watch somebody whizz past on a
1: bike. Yeah, you know, for that two or three seconds. That that's two or three very... seconds. Go, wow, I've seen
0: one. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, So, and I think it was the same thing. You know, it was the same thing for things like the rally professional, but the competition you'd see more of because mm-hmm. more people could buy them. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think you know, amongst my 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 uncle's sort of riding mates, I think more than half of them were on were on competitions. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm pretty sure that, you know. There was a rally story in every town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it you know, so it's that sort of thing where you just think um that was the attainable version of the unobtainable. Mm-hmm. And the unobtainable was such a rarefied beast. And in reality it wasn't. It was just it was much harder to see. Yeah. You know, so I think there's, you know, I think I think there's that It's hard to sort of talk about that kind of pre internet age when Things were so much more different, and it's like when you come, when we come onto like the late ones, like the eighties, the, the the burner is much the same thing, um. You know, being the attainable version of the unattainable, the only stuff you could only see in magazines, you know, and mm. then but you could go a little walk into town to the you know the shop with the blue and yellow rally sign out the front, and you could press your nose up against the window
1: and see yeah see those bikes. You was know. it literally like know, there was like almost concept stores for, for for rally around the place
0: oh god yeah 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 yeah. literally literally you know rally's all pervasiveness in in bikes was mm-hmm. insane mm. you know and i think you know my local town had a rally shop and then within Leicester city sort of limits i think there were five you right. know and, and no matter where you went one of the bike shops in the town would have the blue and yellow rally sign sure. you know and even the ones that weren't rally probably stopped a few rallies anyway mm. it's just they were that you know they were that all pervasive oh, everywhere so
1: when we were preparing for this we were chatting about how you know I sort of mentioned that I've been reading a little bit about the bike and it had been built by you know some people say it had been built by Carlton you were saying it's almost like the British Leyland yeah 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 I mean so, rally
0: just sort of you know rally uh, rally's kind of expansion and everything like that it kind of it kind of absorbed some of those other big but not as big brands they kind of became almost like this over overseer of all Mm. um and so many years have sort of passed between all all that sort of thing it would be really interesting to actually see how it came about that they just kind of absorbed all this all, all these other influences and how much work was farmed out between all these different, different places and that sort of thing. You know, it's the same sort of thing that happens, you know, happens all all over, you know, all over the place and especially in racing at that time and and even going into the eighties and everything like that, you know, the Peloton was full of bikes that were branded one thing, but made by somebody else. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it was just kind of an accepted thing, you know, that name paid the sponsorship money, but -hmm. the rider was like, yeah, actually, but I prefer this one. So I'm going to go and get made by them. We'll just, you know, we'll just paint it different. Um, so, in the, in the case of Rally it was like there, there was a lot obviously there was a lot of that going on anyway but then there was a lot of Rally taking over these you know some of these other brands that probably weren't doing as well you mm. know uh, you know, financial woes you know Britain in the 70s wasn't a great place mm. you know in any sort of industry we, we were seeing the the rise of, of global industries taking you know taking big chunks out of yeah. out of it so it was almost kind of you know he ended up with with Big outfits like Rally almost becoming the saviours of the smaller business. You know, they would mm-hmm. well, well, you know, we'll we'll take over that. We'll take over that, and probably in some in some regard, it probably sort of led to their led to their decline. That kind of overexpansion and overreach. You know, uh-huh. it's like exactly what happened in the British car industry. That yeah. British Leyland tried to absorb so many different brands. You know, when you're thinking Austin, Rover, Triumph,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, Vaden Pla, you know, all these small smaller brands that are all. Pretty much within that kind of industrial Midlands area, mm-hmm. they absorbed everything, and then it was just you know so wrong. big, was completely unmanageable. Yeah, you know.
1: So, do you know if, like, technically the the competition, the professional, were like objectively good bikes? Yes, yeah, they definitely were. You know, um,
0: I, I think because of rallies, rallies size and and they're kind of the the strength of the business that they were buying. Tubing from Reynolds, mm-hmm. that they could effectively say to Reynolds, "We want these tubes like this. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to do this. We want to." And and um, you know, when you move into the professional, when you move into five three one competition, you know, all five three one competition tubes weren't the same. Mm-hmm. It was kind of you could go, "Well, we want this one. This particular type of button. We want this particular." You know, and then it was how they were put together. And, and at that time, you know, Rally were were doing some interesting things with with robot geometry, which has basically remained unchanged since you know five three one tubing launch which i think was in the 1930s you know fundamentally bike road bike geometry hasn't really changed but but with bikes like the rally professional and and the competition which was drawing some influence on that they were experimenting with making the back end a bit shorter you know because effectively road race bikes up until up until that kind of late 60s early 70s kind of thing they'd all you know a, your touring bike well, you could you would race on as well you know it would basically so that long stable wheelbase blah 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 mm. and then as you know the, the European racing scene which has always been a lot of kind of a lot of town centre fast racing short racing when it wasn't the big tour type thing yeah. you, know, you know all that that, that massive um, heavy on betting you know short day races that the whole town would turn out for those kind of influences drip back into into the UK um as things like the Team Rally were. Mm-hmm. You know, spending more time in Europe and seeing what was going on over there. Those kind of fast Italian, fast French geometries, started like they have a new influence over here. So things like the, like the professional and, and by, you know, then in terms things like the competition. It was a little bit shortening up the chainstay making the back end a little bit tighter, making the wheelbase a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. And the bikes became more exciting to ride. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't about long days out with you your pannier bags and still wearing a tie. Um, it was trying to be like those guys you saw racing around, you know, small French and Belgian towns. Yeah, you know, looking super fit and super tanned, which <laughs> you know wasn't much of that going on. So no one in the Netherlands yeah, in the seventies th- was looking. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> Yeah, nobody in the seventies was looking like that. You know, but but you know, suddenly the, the the bikes are bearing that continental Europe influence, and so they're becoming a bit more exciting. They're becoming a bit more. Purposeful, mm-hmm. and then you end up by extension of that. That's when you end up with seeing you know a, a more of a division later on in the in the seventies and in in rallies kind of product. So you have bikes like the competition, which were sporty, and then you get the bike like the Clubman, which in modern day parlance we'd probably call an Audax bike, or, right? You know, even moving into the touring territory. Um So I think you know. By rallies, kind of in the, you know, in the 60s and the 70s, by them sort of spreading their wings and, and not being so just island based, and they'd, they'd gone out, you know, a lot of their, their guys have gone out and seen the world and everything. We're bringing all those influences back. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the start of when the bicycle, which fundamentally in the UK was transport, you know, um, became much more about sport. And mm-hmm. I think the problem was that with the advent of cars in the UK, that we went completely the other way. That a bike sure. stopped being transport; We just became all about sport. Yeah. And hopefully now we're making that shift back. Yeah. Like what I was saying about you know when I'd been up to see Rally, and they, and they were telling me about like the workforce, you know, the workforce numbers that are people that worked for Rally in like the '60s, um, in the you know in the early '70s was phenomenal. You mm-hmm. know, it's like more people worked for Rally than didn't mm-hmm. in in the great Nottingham area. Mm-hmm. But then they are also saying in the, in like the '60s. I think it was like 85% of the workforce rode to bike to work. Really? Yeah. So, you know, they yeah. show me like, you know, you see the like archive photos and it's like literally hundreds and hundreds of bicycles like flooding through the gates at, at the rally factories. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. And and they were at the forefront of that. But then they, you know, the sporting influences came in and they were on top of the sport thing as well mm. for, for a long time. Um. So, you know, I think... When Rally became a much more international concern and got more, much more involved in, in the racing, which wasn't just the seventies, it was before that as well. It was the sixties and everything. They're bringing in all these more influences and everything like that. The bikes just seem more exciting, mm. you know. They just seemed like the bikes you wanted to ride, you know. And there were other brands in the UK that were doing the same thing, you know. As I said, like Falcon, you know, mm-hmm. they were you know, one of the, the bigger concerns as well that were just ingrained in racing and sure, you know, and then. Uh, you know and then and then a lot of the big frame you know a lot of the really good frame builders where they've come from the club racing scene so mm. they were also pouring over the photos of you know that you'd be seeing in you know in Cycling Weekly or yeah. if you managed to get some you know imported mag- you know imported papers or whatever they'd be pouring over the pictures of you know the heroes of the day riding bikes going wow look at that how different does that look to the you know yeah, the, yeah. the bikes that we've got in the shop? Mm. what have they done how can we you know so it's um I think it's hard to underestimate the influence that 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 rally had in bringing this, the special rarefied things to just a big, a bigger, broader, mm-hmm. wider audience. You yeah. know, and and it continued. It continued in you know continuing into the eighties in different genres of bike, which we will talk about later. But it continued in the road bike thing as well. You know, like
1: I was going to say, what, what what happened after after the there's more. We've talked about the Mark II here, but those those mark threes fours
0: yeah and then they started you know and then you're coming into and then you're coming into the 80s and then then things you know where there were lots more things that were ingrained in in the in the kind of racing sphere so at the high end you had the the, the big expensive team banana replicas mm. but the team banana replicas came right down to sort of bikes for teenagers and then you know one of the classic ones when i was a Sort of very young teenager was the rally winner, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, which obviously the name is, says it all, you know. And it had a yeah. it had a cool black and silver metallic two tone spray, you know, paint job and everything. Not not particularly brilliant bike, but it it hit all the right notes. Sure, you know. And and I think there's, I think it's they they went a long way in making road bikes look more exciting mm-hmm. and and actually ride more exciting. Yeah. You know, it was sort of almost like making it less nerdy than it was. Mm-hmm. Club cycling at that time was still it was very very big, but it was it was always appeared to be a certain type of person. Yeah, you know, um, it, it sort of wasn't like today, where you know you you wouldn't like to be playing football for your you know your like Sunday team and riding a bike at the same time. You were two completely different uh-huh. people. You know, the they, the cyclists were always like super fit and super you know, super, super strong, but they weren't the team sports guys, or the, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, um, if you, if you, if you rode a, rode a bike, in the late 70s, early 80s, like a road bike, and, you know, and I'm not talking, you like, you've put a set of on it, and you're doing weirdly standard park with your mates, I'm talking like, you were going out riding, mm-hmm. you know, put put in high miles, you weren't one of the cool kids at school. Yeah. You, yeah. you definitely weren't, you know, so, but I think, you know, rally brought a bit of, okay. a bit of pizzazz, and a bit of glamour to, the everyday bike.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, know. you can't imagine, can't imagine that now, can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rally. <laughs> bit, of bizarre, <laughs> bit of cool. <laughs> okay. Well, um I think our, our next episode, next, next Friday is going to really build upon, upon that sort of story of, of rally and, and being cool and, and maybe appealing to a, a more youthful, younger audience. Yeah. I mean, I think this was like,
0: you know, this was their, their master stroke. It really was, sure. you know,
1: the start of something big for rally in, yeah. in terms of popularity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it was their, it was their last great hurrah. Right. Cause after this, they, the decline know, was, the decline began in earnest. Sort yeah.
1: of okay. Well, um, yeah, please, you know, th- come back next week for, for our next, um, episode, which is going to be about the Riley burner. Um, as I said, at the start of this podcast, we Warren uh, is, is we're talking about sort of the key bikes or the most influential bikes that really have defined for him the decades of the 70s 80s 90s and 2000s um, so yeah hopefully you've enjoyed that and uh, we'll be back we'll be back on Monday with a normal podcast and we'll be back next Friday with the Rally there. thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast if you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling check out bikeradar.com